shotgun. Play fake. Russ rolls to his right. Throws the ball wide open. Receiver. Cortland Sutton. Touchdown, Denver. 20 yards. Russell Wilson to Cortland Sutton. And what do you know? The Broncos get a victory on Sunday to wrap up the season. They avoid their first ever 13 loss season. And Russ looked pretty good the last two games. Imagine if Denver would have made the move to Jerry Rosberg sooner. Not saying that Denver would have been a playoff team or anything like that, but it no. might have looked a whole lot better because it certainly looked better with Jerry Rosberg taking over. But it will not be Jerry Rosberg coaching this team in 2023. Not likely. Could it be Jim Harbaugh? Could it be Sean Payton? who confirmed on Fox yesterday. Denver's reached out to him. There will be an interview at some point after January 17th since he's still under contract to the Saints. And the Saints have signed off on, on him interviewing Denver. Right. But until wildcard weekend is over, they can't talk to him. So, mm. because he's still under contract to the Saints. So, looks like Jim Harbaugh this week. Sean Payton at some point after Wild Card Weekend. So we got some thoughts yesterday, the good, the bad, the ugly. I, th- I thought Denver Denver acted like they wanted to be there and they wanted to play, even though the game had, I mean, other than avoiding the first 13 lost season right. in franchise history and snapping what was a nine-game losing streak in the AFC West. Yeah. They did that yesterday. They accomplished those two things. A little bit of momentum heading into this next season. And I just, Brandon Staley, why are you playing Justin Herbert in, in the, the third quarter? What are, you, what are you doing? Now you got Mike Williams hurt, back injury. It's like, what are you doing? But anyway, Denver gets a win. And so if you got some thoughts on on the coaching search, be Jim Harbaugh this week, Sean Payton in the near future. And according to reports that both the Saints and Broncos have agreed to what a Sean Payton trade would look like. According to reports, as far as what the Saints would get from the Broncos. In the one report that I saw, that there has been some discussion about what the Saints would, if he decides he wants to come to Denver, what that would look like in getting acquiring Sean Payton. So, this is maybe a rude question then, but if they've already agreed in principle to what a deal would look like, and they've supposedly already reached out, which might get them in trouble if they're not supposed to before January 17th. Uh, they can reach out because they talked to the Saints. They they The Saints signed off on the interview. Right. So they're okay with that. That's okay. They just, if they would have... I'm, I'm assuming that Broncos contacted Saints. Saints said, fine. Hey, we're going to call Sean. Is that okay? Yeah, it's okay. They called Sean Payton. Because Sean Payton was candid about it on... Yeah. on TV about how he was talking uh, to the owners, and it's like, yeah, mm, 
I'm going to make the yeah. assumption that that was cleared by the Saints, that they were okay with him. They knew about it. They were okay with him doing that. Because lest we forget, the Miami Dolphins got into a lot of trouble <laughs> for doing almost the exact same thing without proper protocols in place. Yeah. Neither here nor there. You know, the question is, if they've already principally agreed to what a trade might look like, I mean, that's that's a done deal then, isn't it? Is is that not the not, clearest I, indicator that they've already figured out who they want and they're not going to go anywhere else? I, I, I think it... Now you send to Sean Payton, doesn't it? Right. But they, but they still have to... Here's the thing. They still have to conduct interviews with people. That's because they have to... Rooney rule and... They have to fulfill the Rooney rule commitment of in, talking to a minority candidate or candidates. Well, and you still which, have... Which is... This is where... That's the problem with, with how it's the Rooney Rule's not effective and because you have teams that know who they want. Right. And I feel bad for candidates, like a guy like a D'Amico Ryans, who should be a head coach somewhere down the road, or a Giro Vero, where there are minority candidates, guys that are certainly smart, capable, young coaches that deserve an opportunity at some point to be head coaches, but it's not going to be in this particular run. No. Because... They they know who they pretty much want. They want Sean Payton. Jim Harbaugh is perhaps a fallback plan. And that's that's unfortunate because it's it, it basically the Rooney rule, even though they've tried to put more teeth into it, doesn't have a lot of teeth. No. And and, and teams are gonna hire who they want to hire. And Denver obviously has Sean Payton very much, you know, as the at the top of their list. And and so we'll we'll see how this plays out, but you can't you can't say it's it's kind of a done deal, could be could right be. if if they've agreed to terms and, and Peyton wants to come to Denver, but you still have to go through the process of interviewing other people. It's a dog and pony show. Right. It's 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 unfortunate for the other candidates that have to go. Well, okay. I, I, I guess I'm interviewing for this. I guess it'll be a good experience. For hopefully the next time they seriously consider me. Hopefully. And I'm not trying to crack on on Denver wanting Peyton or wanting Harbaugh or whatever, but it is it is kind of a farce where you, you bring other people in and you know darn well they're not probably gonna get serious Much further serious consideration outside of those two guys of, of Peyton and Harbaugh. On the Harbaugh thing, listening to the Broncos coverage yesterday and when he comes on in the nine o'clock hour, I kinda wanna follow up on this with Benjamin Albright, that Harbaugh apparently had a meeting with the Carolina Panthers. He met with David Tepper. It was an informal meeting. And in in the informal meeting, there that apparently, number one, didn't go well. And number two, there was discussion about Harbaugh's role in terms of personnel decision-making. And that part of the reason that the meeting, supposedly informal though it may be, didn't go well was because there was some disagreements about Harbaugh's role because he wanted more control, wanted more personnel type of decision-making. So that to me says, number one, if Harbaugh wants more, like a more of a general manager, like wants to bring in his own players, that kind of decision-making. And if the Broncos were to agree to that, if they wanted to hire him, would that basically be the Q 
canary in the coal mine for one George Payton. You know? Could like, very well be. Here's here's the thing. I don't know Sean Payton being more of a roster builder. I could see Denver agreeing to that. I don't know if they'll let Harbaugh do that. I think there's some concern about and look, Jim Har's Jim Harbaugh's a guy that has a shelf life. I mean, now outside of the eight years now he's been at Michigan, which the last two have been obviously the most fruitful for Jim Harbaugh, back-to-back college football playoff appearances, there seems to be this feeling that he wears out his welcome after a while. Right. And I'm not sure that that Greg Penner, the ownership group, are going to feel like Harbaugh. I think they're willing to give him some say. Right. I think they're willing to give him some latitude on that. But I don't think they're going to say, yep, you're the you're the guy. You're going to make all the decisions. I don't think that's going to happen. They might do that, though, with Sean Payton. I think they there's a feeling that he is, I mean, Scott's won a Super Bowl. I mean, Harbaugh's been to a Super Bowl, but, but Sean Payton's been to two, won a Super Bowl. Right. And I think there's a feeling that he has a better sense of roster building in the NF, at, at the NFL level than Harbaugh does. And he worked very closely, Peyton did, with Mickey Loomis, with with the Saints, even though he wants to move on. Right. There's still a good relationship there. But there's that was a, could Peyton, could Peyton and Peyton, spell differently, Peyton, right. could that relationship be kind of like it was for Sean Peyton and Mickey Loomis? I think that's entirely possible. I, I, just, I, I just tend to wonder if they're going to allow Harbaugh to have a Bill Parcells-like control over the GM job, or or have and, and have or have a lot of say over over the roster of this team. Some a voice, yes. A, a chair at the table, yes. Total control to decide what direction they go. I don't. I don't think that's going to happen. But we'll ask Benjamin Albright. Uh, Broncos country tonight. Uh, Denver Broncos insider is going to join us at nine o'clock this morning. Ryan Voringer, Montrose Red Ox boys basketball coach, going to join us coming up here uh, later on this hour as Central takes on Montrose tomorrow night. We'll have uh, both the boys and the girls games over on the Monkey, 95.7 here in the Valley and 93.5 for Montrose to listen to the Red Hawks and the Warriors uh, do battle tomorrow night. All right, so good, the bad, the ugly from the weekend. If you got some thoughts, uh, how about Green Bay in the ugly category? You're home. All you have to do is win. All you have to Detroit had nothing to play for after Seattle won. They had nothing to play for. And I was one of those dummies that thought Green Bay at home, they've been playing better, trending the right direction. Detroit will make it tough for them. But Green Bay in front of the home faithful Lambo will get it done and they'll be a playoff team. I was dead wrong about that. Give the give the fighting kneecap biters. A ton of credit because they could have just said, that eh, season's over. We're not going to the playoffs. But they... <sighs> Sorry. And, it's and, and, so and, funny and, to and me. It, and it goes... Look, as great as Aaron Rodgers has been throughout the course of his career, mm-hmm. you look at their playoff runs the last few... Last year when they lost to San Francisco. Right. Where the offense did not show up at all. That's become an alarming trend for Green Bay in the playoffs. And now we yeah. see it in the regular season. And now, now you see it where games on the, you know, playoffs are on the line. This was basically you, a playoff game yeah, for them. You're, you're home. 
You've got the Lions, who, while they are a different, they are a much different football team now, a team that had no motivation or shouldn't have had motivation, right? They did. They played very <laughs> motivated football. That's and that speaks to Dan Campbell and the job he's done. A guy that I gave a lot of grief to when they first hired him. Thought he was kind of a clown and a buffoon with the going to bite him off the kneecaps and some of that stuff. I've learned I was dead wrong about Dan Campbell. I've learned to appreciate what he's done for that team. He's taken what's been really a coaching hell. Yeah. And and and, and turn that thing around where they should have never fired Jim Caldwell because he had him on the right track. He and they did. bring in Matt Patricia, and Matt Patricia totally blew that thing up. And Dan Campbell, give him a ton of credit. And Jared Goff, talk about reclamation projects. No kidding. That, congratulations to the Lions. I mean, that's they went into Green Bay, nothing to win, not going to go to the playoffs, and come out of there with a victory. Playing like they were the team playing for their playoff lives. So, a couple things on that Lions-Packers game. First of all, absolutely 100% agree. Congratulations to the Lions for getting the win. They get a winning record. They go from not necessarily worst to first, but from worst to much better than worse. 9-8 and eight from 3-13-1 and 13 and one last year. You know, that's, that's an incredible turnaround. And they're only going to get better because now you're seeing the impact that Dan Campbell has on his players. Players are going to look at that, and when they have to make decisions about where they want to go in free agency or, you know, wherever, they're going to go, hey, you know what, let's let's give Detroit a serious look because that I, I want to play for that guy. I want, to play for, I want to play for Dan Campbell. That team looks like they have fun. That team looks like they have energy. They're a team on the rise. You know, so so that's that's great, and I think that ultimately that's, that's you know, where people, where players want to go if they want to say, you know what, I want to have – a change of pace, I want to go have fun, I want to play for a guy that's passionate. And then flip it over to the Packers, who had some of the dumbest mistakes. First of all, what on God's green earth was Rasul Douglas doing? Walking up and, like, kicking the ball away on the field goal try. Just like He, like, just walked up and tried to take the ball out. And you're like, what is, what is that? That was dumb. That was just like, whatever. But then, and any week this would have been bad, but I think in particular this week with the recognition of, of how the medical staff of the Bills basically saved DeMar Hamlin's yeah, life. It's cool how they they honored them before the game yesterday. For, for Quay Walker to shove a trainer when they were trying to deal with a lion's injury for Quay Walker to shove that guy, especially after we've just gone through trying to recognize the importance of the training the necessity. What a boneheaded Nimrod, dumb, stupid, ridiculous, idiotic, just flat out dumb move. And you know what? Good on your league for for ejecting him. And I think this yeah. is the second time he's been ejected for something yeah. like that. Or at least it's the second time where he shoved a, 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 a an opposing official, a opposing coach or opposing trainer. 
Like, dude, you gotta. Matt Lafleur said as much. You gotta be smarter than that. What are you I, doing? I'm just with Green Bay with with Rogers, Hall of Fame quarterback, who boy certainly sounded like a guy that uh, isn't sure he still wants to keep playing after this season. For some of his comments last night, oh uh, yeah, the jersey swap, where he was like, "I'm going to hold on to this one," and and made a comment of, "You know, I'm evaluating my future." And didn't sure. he say the same thing last year? Though? Yeah, and I'll but, believe it. When but I there, see but it. there was a tone to it though, because I I heard it coming in this morning on the DA show that sounded more like maybe maybe he is done, maybe he's tired of playing, maybe he doesn't want to play till he's forty or forty one. I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. But you're right. I mean, he's we, he's been the boy that cried wolf before, cried retirement before, and and it didn't happen. Taking so. it, taking after his uh, predecessor. Yeah, but all I know is this: that what if Denver would have put Jerry Rosberg in charge sooner? And how how much sooner? Because I saw somewhere that said that. You know they should have fired Hackett after the Jacksonville London game, to which I was like, "Well, hold on." And they they won that game. It's they yeah. won that game first of all, and and that more than anything was kind of a nexus moment for both those teams, right? Because you had Jacksonville who was going in, they were awful. Broncos going in, they were bad. So you figure both those teams needed that game to be won. And hopefully that would kickstart some momentum going for them. Now, it sort of worked in the opposite direction where Denver won that game and then proceeded to just poo everywhere for the remainder of the schedule. And then you had Jacksonville who turned it around and won the AFC South. You know, it was... Was he give give the Jags and Doug Peterson a ton of credit? Yeah, like... Again, you know that game in London. I think more than anything was this was the splitting off point for both those teams, both franchises' directions for the rest of the season. And would it have been better? Because I think, I think once the Broncos got horribly, horribly defeated against the Rams, that was the right time to fire Hackett. Well, yeah, yeah I think you had to. I mean. You're you're already you were losing the fan base. A lot, a lot of people were angry about the way things have been going. You know, maybe maybe it should have been after the Tennessee game. I I don't know I, if they make a coaching change. Do I think they're a playoff team? No, probably not. No. Do I think they they play better football? They're more competitive. They certainly seem like from an offensive standpoint, they figured some things out. Right, still they still can't protect Russ to save their lives, but no. but and that's that has to get better moving forward. But they ran the ball better, more of a commitment to the running game, better in the red zone, less penalties. It just seemed like Jerry Rosberg's presence as the head coach and making the changes that he made. Right, getting rid of Dwayne Stukes, putting Mike Mallory in charge of special teams, letting Justin Outen be the play caller with Clint Kubiak on the sideline talking with Russ on the sideline, that those are changes that Jerry Rossberg made and seems to have made some sense. And and with Butch Berry getting canned and, and Ben still taking over the offensive line, I'd, I'd love to think that whoever comes in to, to be the next coach of this team would, would give Ben an opportunity 
stay with this team. Right. I, I hope so for him. I hope Jerry Rosberg, somebody says, hey, look, Jerry, do you really enjoy retirement that much? How about uh, stay right here and coach special teams? How about be a presence on this team? Obviously with the Harbaugh's, because he worked for Jim's brother, John, in, in Baltimore. That That is a possibility. But, you know, maybe Jerry Rosberg's like, okay, I, I got to coach in the NFL as a head coach. I finished with a win. My final game is the interim head coach. Maybe, okay, I'm 67, resumes complete, I'm good. Or maybe he still has, this has rekindled some some passion for him, maybe to come back and coach. We'll see what happens. It's the old song, you got to know when to hold him, know when to fold him, know when to walk away. Yeah, and I would would love to see Jerry Rosberg continue to be part of this. I I just love his personality. Seems like a very genuine guy. Yeah. A very fatherly, grandfatherly kind of presence for a lot of these guys, and I, I, I just think it'd be it'd be great if he ends up, you know, deciding to. Well, hopefully, whoever comes in wants him, and number two, he wants to be there as well. So, coming up, Ryan Voringer, Montrose Red Ox boys basketball coach. Uh, they have Central tomorrow night over on the Monkeys. We'll get into that, but right now it's time for what's happening. What's happening? All right, it. W- it was a bitterly disappointing season, but the Broncos finished on a high note with their 31 to 28 win over the LA Chargers Sunday a mile high. Denver voided the franchise's first 13 loss season by finishing with a 5 and 12 record. All the way through the game, I thought that we played with great patience, we played with great discipline. We got the ball where we had it at the end and our offense just dominated the line of scrimmage. A really fitting ending because the physicality that we had demonstrated throughout the game really won the game for us. That's Broncos interim coach Jerry Rosberg and what hopefully is a sign of things to come. Quarterback Russell Wilson had another strong game and throwing for 283 yards and three touchdowns. Denver receiver Jerry Judy had one of the best games of his career with five catches for 154 yards with Latavius Murray adding 103 yards and a touchdown. So the season is over, but it'll be a busy week for the Broncos as they start their search for a new head coach. NFL media is reporting that search will begin this week when they interview Michigan head coach Jim Harbaugh. After leading San Francisco to the Super Bowl, Harbaugh spent the last eight seasons coaching the Wolverines to back-to-back college football playoff appearances. That search will also involve former New Orleans head coach Sean Payton. Payton currently works for Fox Sports and confirmed on Sunday's pregame show that he spoke with the Broncos. The Saints had to sign off in the interview since Payton is still under contract in New Orleans. Denver has to wait until January 17th to interview him. So the NFL playoffs are set as wildcard weekend gets underway on Saturday. Seattle will play at San Francisco at 2.30 on Saturday, followed by the L.A. Chargers at Jacksonville at 6.15. Sunday's schedule pits Miami at Buffalo at 11, followed by the New York Giants at Minnesota at 2.30 with Baltimore at Cincinnati and the nightcap at 6.15. That's the first ever Monday night football wildcard game as Dallas plays at Tampa Bay at 6.15. Catch all those games this weekend on the team sports network. Tonight on the team, it's Denver Nuggets basketball. Nikola Jokic and Denver score off against LeBron James and the Lakers. Pre-game at 6.30 tonight for that one. Moving on to Colorado Mesa basketball. The Maverick uh, men and women sweeping their games this past weekend. The Maverick men, they're on a seven-game winning streak after uh, taking down Shadron State and then knocking off Colorado Christian on Saturday, 78-58. to uh, Big game for uh, Blaze Three. He had uh, 18 points for the Mavericks. And that one, the Maverick women, they have won three straight. Defensively, they were outstanding this weekend. Oh, yeah. Getting wins against Shadron State and Colorado Christian. Mavericks beating uh, the Cougars on Saturday, 52-29, to as the Mavs were led in that one by Olivia Reed with a double-double of 13 points, 10 rebounds, and three blocks for the Maverick uh, to lead the Maverick women to the victory. 
As far as prep sports, Grand Junction boys basketball team came out of the holiday break with a big 65-32 to home win over Battle Mountain on Saturday. Tigers guard Cameron Ochoa finished with a TMI 15 points as Grand Junction moves to 5-5. Five and five. Fruita Monument boys are 10-1 and one after their 55-52 to win at Chatfield. The Palisade boys are 7-5 and five with their 56-19 to 19 home win of a rifle. Central 7-3. and three. They defeated Basalt 46-45 on Friday. Cam Redding paced the Warriors with 13 points as they face defending Southwestern League champion Montrose tomorrow night on the Monkey. Speaking of the Red Hawks, they fell at Kent Denver 92-87 on Saturday. Jackson Killen scored 19 to pace 7-2 Montrose. Delta fell to 2-6 after losing at Centauri 45-32 and at Alamosa 70 to 48. The Fruita Monument girls basketball team improved 8-2 after beating Chatfield 47-42 on Saturday. Liv Campbell led the Wildcats with 21 points. Central's girls lost to Centaurus 43-39 with Leanna Bryant leading the Warriors with three three-pointers and 15 points. Central falls to 6-5. Palisade beat Rifle in overtime 33-31 to move to 4-8. Grand Junction girls basketball lost to Battle Mountain 40-27 to fall to 0-9. Delta's 3-5 after losing at Centauri 40-33 but bounced back to beat Alamosa 47-33 on Saturday. Montrose is now 8-1 after picking up a 44-34 win at Kent Denver Saturday. Briar Moss scored 16 for the Red Hawks as they host Central tomorrow night over on the Monkey. And the Fruit of Monument Central Wrestling teams each claimed tournament titles this past weekend. The fifth-ranked 5A Wildcats won the Colfax Smackdown at Denver East High School on Saturday. Fruit have picked up championships from Tyler Archuleta, Will Stewart, Bryce Nixon, also Dylan Chilowitzki, Trent Target, and True Tobiason. Central brought home the Barhelm brought home nine championships at the Leo Rex Invitational at Littleton High School. The uh, eighth-ranked Warriors had those nine champions led by Warrior Classic champion J.P. Espinoza at 113 pounds. Palisade 132-pounder Keaton Young had the best local finish at the Tournament of Champions at Vernal, Utah. Young took third for the Bulldogs. Grand Junction 120-pounder Murphy Harris made the podium with his sixth place finish and the district 51 phoenix girls wrestling team won the team title at the tournament of champions at vernal utah the phoenix picked up championships from 130 pound molly dare and 135 pound apollonia middleton and tonight on the team nuggets take on the lakers i mentioned so don't miss that at 6 30 tonight also tonight college football national championship game from sofi stadium defending champion georgia scores off against tcu and that's what's happening all right, 726, we'll come back and uh, some audio from yesterday's Bronco game from uh, Jerry Rosberg, interim head coach, gets a win in his final game as the Broncos interim head coach. You'll hear that and more, plus uh, Montrose Red Ox boys basketball coach Ryan Vohringer coming up in just a little bit. Text or call us today, Chick-fil-A breakfast team phone line, 970-242-1340. Jim along with Cake today on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. We're going to be here a while. Would you like to talk? Talk to me! The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. Four-man pressure. Wilson, a deep drop, in trouble. Steps to his left, rolls out of trouble. Now throws the ball. He wants Judy. Judy's there inside the 10. Forced out of bounds. Inside the 5. A flag is down in the Chargers secondary. Let's see. I think this is going to go against the Chargers. So it'll be first and goal at the Charger two-yard line. Well, let's hope. Let's hope that maybe he says this next year. Maybe. Yeah, that's right. That we can actually feel good about that. 
it's okay. It's not a joke. It's not a mockery. It's not a meme. And he was uh, throwing some deep balls yesterday. What, 350-yard passes yesterday in that game? And they were they were works of art. Yeah. It was um, one of the better games that Wilson's played. And it, and it shows, like, they've got to run the ball. Sorry. you. I know Russ wants to sling it around 40-some times. At least that's what we hear. But what he did yesterday is what he did in Seattle when he when he was effective. They run the ball. They set up play action. He right. takes deep shots. That's what he's good at doing. And it's to me, it's amazing that it's taken. It took till the end of the season to figure out. Hey, the things he did in Seattle are the things we should be doing here with Russell Wilson. Well, and it just you know it's it's great that they got the win. It's bittersweet because it means nothing virtually in the long run. But it's feel good. I mean, it's, it's a good it's way. Feel good, but it also it goes to prove because what you saw yesterday was exactly what we were sort of promised as Broncos fans. What we thought we were getting from the beginning, which is Russell Wilson's going to throw the deep ball. They're going to run the ball effectively. We got you know good production. We're going to get you know. That yesterday, I think it was 476 total yards. I may, I, may be, I may be off, but whatever the total yardage was offensively yesterday for the Broncos was the most they've had since 2016. You're talking about a team that looked like yesterday what we thought they were going to look like from the beginning, from the get-go, from the onset. And yet, it didn't. And it is further evidence that, and as bad as Russell Wilson played this year, and he did. Career worst year in touchdown passes and percent, you know, completion percentage, all those, all those metrics. It clearly showed that whatever Nathaniel Hackett was doing just wasn't working. And more and more, especially after what you saw yesterday, when you compare Rosberg's approach and Justin Outen's play calling to what Hackett was doing and how he ran things, night and day difference. I mean, just the operations. Rosberg was saying in the pregame show, listening in, driving back from my dad's party yesterday. Happy birthday. Belated birthday to your dad, by the way. Thank you. Um, listening on the pregame, Rosberg was saying that the reason that he went with Outen as the play caller and not Clint Kubiak was because the quarterback coach should be on the sidelines having a one-on-one interaction, having a close relationship to the quarterback. And just thinking about that, it's like, no, duh, but also like, of course, like it makes sense. You need to, you want the quarterback coach to be coaching the quarterback and you want the offensive coordinator to be calling the plays if that's, you know, how you've designated the roles. And, you know, ultimately, I think Hackett giving up play calling duties was the right decision. But even then, now you see, even the decision to go with Clint Kubiak as the play caller may not have been the right choice. The most efficient, effective way of, of working with your quarterback, talking about what he's seeing out there, what... Right, you know what you can maybe set up down the road, in terms of setting up a play, a, a big, you know, taking a shot down the field, 
Yeah, it made it made total sense to have Clint Kubiak doing that. I mean, Kubiak's been a play caller, so it kind of made sense to have him do it. Right. But doing what they did with him being on the sideline with Russ, obviously provided some benefit, was was a successful, certainly a more successful recipe than what they've been doing. Yeah. So here's Jerry Rosberg, his final game as the head coach of the Denver Broncos. You got to be proud of, of what your men did today. I, I thought uh, it wasn't always pretty, but they always fought. And to give you that kind of effort, to give themselves that kind of effort in a game like this, I think speaks volumes about the character of this team. Yeah, Dave, it's good to talk to you again. I didn't like the way it, it kind of unfolded at the end, but all the way through the game, I thought that we played with great patience. We played with great discipline. We, we were poised and then a few thing, bad things happened, and that really came back to really be the difference in the game because we got the ball where we had it at the end, and our offense just dominated the line of scrimmage and yes. pounded that thing out all the way, and we, we ended up the game's run out. It was just a really fitting ending because the physicality that we had demonstrated throughout the game really won the game for us at the end. Let, let me ask you uh, a tough question, and one that you might not even have an answer for because I don't. There's a lot of questions I don't have answers well, for. Well, then I'm the perfect man for one. you because I can add, add to the list. <laughs> um, the, the offense, just the offense in general, has looked different to me yes. the last couple of weeks. Can, I'm glad can, you see that. Can yes. you quantify as to why? Because I had a conversation with our offensive coaches, and we got a shared vision as to what it would look like. And we, as I told you early on, we were trying to do the things that we thought Russell Wilson does best, how he plays winning football. And it fits in with how we're going to play defense and special teams. It's a, it's a concept of complementary football. They, they took that and ran with it. Justin Outen's done a fabulous job, along with Clint Kubiak and the rest of the coaches, of framing that up, because I can't call those plays. They know how their offense runs. And I think you saw what I envision as being a, a team-oriented, high-octane, high and only in that we're going to run the ball play action passes, get big plays, and then fit in with the defense. If you're out there just to get yards and, and make good statistics and, and you know, have great passing stats, it's not the way to win football games. I don't believe that. And these guys bought into it, and I, and I told them before, it's just complimentary. The root word is compliment. You, you compliment one another. You raise each other up. It doesn't diminish you. It just raises others up, and that's what we tried to do. So, Jerry, I'll get you out of here on this, and I've, I've enjoyed getting to know you here the last couple yeah, of weeks too, and yeah. doing your show. But let me just ask you this. What, what will the next couple of weeks look like specifically for you? That's a good question. I, I told you earlier that Monday was going to be Monday, and I, now I have to start thinking about Monday because I really haven't. But, <laughs> and I, I mean this all sincerity to you and your listeners. This has been a tremendous experience, and it's really hard to explain how this all comes together like this. You know, I, I, you know the story. I was doing other things. Yep. And then suddenly I'm here, and then suddenly I'm standing in front of the team. And it's, it's, it's a mystery. It's something that there's some purpose for it. I'm not sure what it is, and, but I'm going to spend some time finding out why it was exactly that I was here. And uh, I'm not going to be, uh, I'm not going to treat it lightly. I'm going to examine it closely, and uh, we'll see what happens in the weeks ahead. Last thought. I said final question. And I apologize. No, this no, will be I got a, time. I got nothing else to do. Okay. <laughs> if 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 they come to you and say, "Hey, Jerry, we'd like you to interview for the head coaching position here in Denver," your answer would be, "Well, again, I'm, tomorrow's Monday. The interview process. I don't know, know anything about that. So I, I think uh, the last two weeks, 
they've gotten a pretty good idea who I am and what I'm about and what it would look like if I were in charge. So I'll let that be my interview process. That sounds good. Jerry, whatever happens, I've enjoyed it. Congratulations on the win, and I look forward to catching up with you soon. Thank you, Dave. Hey, you're, you're a high school football coach is broadcasting, and this is a, is, you're an incredible guy, and it's really, really been a pleasure talking to you, Dave. I, I, I appreciate that, Coach. I really right. do. Talk, so we'll talk soon. You got it. All right, that's Dave Logan with Jerry Rosberg. We'll see what happens. Will they interview Jerry Rosberg? Probably not. I, I hope he is part of this team moving forward. We'll, we'll see what happens there. We'll see. All right, it's uh, time for sound check. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story, and I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Sunday night football last night, the pre-recorded player intros, you know. Just just listen to what Jamal Williams has done. Jared Goff, Cal. First way I got the game. Leader of the hidden village of the Dean. Josh Reynolds, John Jay High School. You want to hear that one more time? Yeah, please. Yeah, one more time. All right, so they're doing the pre-recorded, the, the pre-roll, like, let's take a look at the starting lineups, and then they get, you know, Jared Goff, Cal, and then, yeah, Jamal Williams, national treasure. Jared Goff, Cal. First way I got the guy game. Leader of the hidden village of the Dean. Josh Reynolds, John Jay High School. I'll be asking couldn't figure out what he what what is he saying there. So what he's <laughs> what he is saying is, I think what he's saying is, let's see if, if we go to the Twitter of awful announcing who had that clip. He's saying, first Swagagake, leader of the village hidden of the dead, or or uh, I don't know. I think what I think it is is it's a reference to some sort of anime or tv show that he's because okay. he is a you know he is a renowned nerd and all right well so there <laughs> you go very creative it couldn't couldn't understand what the heck he was saying but okay when you've only got six seconds you that's know? got to cram crammed a lot in there and six seconds so much that i couldn't understand what he was even saying yeah or most people probably couldn't all right ryan volringer montrose red ox boys basketball coach joins us next on the jim davis show listening to the Jim Davis show on the team 101 FM 1340 AM Grand Junction get in the huddle with Montrose boys basketball coach Ryan Volringer on the team and our conversation with Ryan Volringer brought to you by the Rick Nelson agency and American family insurance for a free comparison call this team of licensed professionals at 970-241-0078 he is the head coach of the defending Southwestern League champion Montrose Red Ox. Ryan Vohringer joins us. Ryan, I appreciate the time. Thanks for coming on this morning, and it's been a challenge. That, that pesky new iPhone <laughs> throwing you a curveball yeah. or two this morning. Yeah, Happy New Year. I can't figure <laughs> out how to run an iPhone, so welcome to the 20th century. Yeah, well, I, I tell you what, I'm. if there's a class for that, sign me up too, because I, I still have yeah. my problems with, with, with working my iPhone as well. Well, last year was such an incredible season for your basketball team. Uh, obviously, you're losing some, you know, some great talent last year, like Luke Hutto is now at Fort Lewis, Ash Noberg, who went on to play college football uh, at Weber State. But still, a lot of talent on this team, and I know that uh, certainly you guys faced a real challenge at Ken Denver. Uh, high-scoring basketball game on Saturday, you guys come up a little bit short in that one, but uh, certainly, once again, you have a very talented uh, basketball team at Montrose High School. We do. I like my group. Granted, like you said, we lost six seniors, and 
like you said, Ashton's playing football at Weber's. Trey Reese is redshirt in the Western, and then Luke's at uh, Fort Lewis. That was a great group to have. But we got a young group. I got some a really good sophomore and a couple good juniors and a really good senior. So we're coming along. We're getting better game by game. So we're looking forward to the start of Southwestern League play tomorrow night against Grand Junction Central. Of course, we'll have that game coming up Tuesday night on the Monkey, which is 95.7 here in the Valley and 93.5 in Montrose. Larry Newman and Pat Hooley will have that one for you. And uh, a guy that's really come on and has been re- really impressive as a sophomore for you, Caleb Ferguson, he leads you in scoring right now. Ryan at 17.2 points per basketball game, uh, getting on the glass effectively as well. He's uh, your, your top rebounder as well. Caleb Ferguson, a, a really good, young, talented player you have on this team. Yeah, excellent post player. Can step outside and shoot it, plays inside. You know, he's one of those kids that he'd run through a wall for you. I mean, he's he's going to mature into one of another another Luke Hutto type player by the time he graduates. Just a great kid on and off the floor and, and he's you know, he's at seventeen a game as a sophomore and he's he's progressing day by day, one of those kids that wants to get better every time he steps on the court. You know, another player that that's had a really good start to the season for you as well is uh, your, your senior who's averaging 14 points per game. He's, he's second right now to, to Caleb Ferguson in that category, and uh, that's Jacob Hawks. Kind of take us through what you've seen in terms of his development uh, over the last couple of seasons. Well, you know, he's played behind some great players in the last couple of years. You know, two years ago we're 18-1. Last year we're 25-1, and and he kind of matured playing against guys like Trey Reese and Luke Cutto when he was a sophomore and a junior. Now it's his turn, and he stepped up through the first nine games, shot the ball well. You know, he's averaging 14 a game. You know, I can't expect a whole lot more from him. He's, he's doing a great job kind of running the point guard for us and getting us into what we need to do. And, yeah, through nine games, he's played great. Ryan Vogringer, coach of the Montrose Red Ox boys basketball team, with us today on the Team Sports Network. And every team has to have a glue guy or, you know, or a guy that certainly when maybe when things, Ryan, kind of go a, a little sideways, need to get in the right offensive set, uh, right inbound play. Who's a guy for you that kind of does that? It kind of gets everybody where they need to be and, and kind of takes charge on the floor for you. I'd probably say Jake Lake. He's my – we only have two seniors. He's been in the program four years, you know, kind of like Jacob Hawks, played behind those other guys and, you know, practiced those other guys for two or three years, and this kind of his time to shine now. He's kind of – between him and Jacob running the point, um, they've done a great job. But I think Jake's kind of the guy that gets us into stuff. He's one of our better defenders. He communicates real well. He's just done a great job of kind of getting into our offensive sets. And one more guy, Gage Wareham, is kind of uh, one of those guys that you don't read about in the newspaper or see in the stat sheet, but he's he's our top defender, and he goes out there and does all the dirty work for us. And he's done a great job of shutting down the other team's best players. So if he can continue to do that, it gives us a chance to win. And a guy that knows how to take charge, right, being the Red Hawks quarterback, he's used to that on the gridiron. So he is, sounds like he does that on occasion on the hardwood for you. Yes, sir, no doubt he's our vocal leader. I mean, he's... Not a great basketball player, but he's one of those guys you want on your team. I mean, I wouldn't trade him for anybody. He'll go out there and whatever I ask him, he does it. And like I said, he'll he'll run through a wall, and he, he's he's a winner. I mean, you can't teach those things as a coach. He's a great football player as a quarterback. You know, he's our starting catcher on the baseball team. He just brings traits to the court that, that you can't teach as a coach. Montrose Red Ox boys basketball coach Ryan Voringer with us today on the Team Sports Network. Last year, Ryan, 25-1. and one. You, you saw your season end in the state tournament uh, as you ended up uh, falling in that, that final game to Pueblo Central, 66-62. But it, it was a f- tremendous season last year, 25 wins. You went 8-0 in Southwestern League play. And what kind of, I, I guess it, it places expectations on this group, right? Even though there's some, some young guys or a guy like Jacob Hawks that didn't get a lot of playing time because of that talent, but there's that that championship expectation, I would think, for this group this year. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, these guys, I don't think we've lost a league game in a couple of years. And these guys, I mean, these guys know what the expectations are. But granted, it's, it's going to be much tougher this year. The league's very good. I mean, everyone's well coached. I think it's kind of up in the air. From what I've been reading and seeing, looks like Fruit is very talented. I know Central's good, Junction's good. Anytime you got to go over the hill to Durango, it's it's going to be a dogfight. You can throw records out the door when you, when you play these league games. You hope to win at home, maybe split on the road. But yeah, we're looking forward to it. But yeah, we know there's a target on our back, and sometimes that's a good thing. So expectations are good, and, and we're going to have to show them play 32 minutes every night with you know with our with our A game to, to beat these teams because all all four league schools are very good. Well, defense of your Southwestern title begins on Tuesday night when you take on Central. Uh, Cam Redding had a really good game against Basalt last time out. Uh, Santana Martinez, dynamic player on the football field, also a really good basketball player as well. Uh, that That's a really good team that John Sedanich has. And so, like you said, it's going to be a, be a battle in the Southwestern League, and it's a good opening test against the Warriors. It is. I mean, we've played nine road games. It would be nice to be here playing at home Montrose. But, yes, they're very well coached, have – you know, can't really key on just one guy. Rating's good. They got the big kid down low. They got two or three other wings that can shoot it. You know, John's doing a great job with those guys, and and it's going to be a dogfight. I mean, and that's what that's what this time of the year is all about. And that's what you know, if you're a high school basketball player, that that's what you want. So, and, and as a coach, so I'm really looking forward to it. It should be fun. Or some things you saw in that Kent Denver game, Kent Denver game, because you had obviously the, the holiday break. You had a little bit of time with your guys, but uh, some things that that you want to see improve upon, improved upon, uh, Ryan, when you take on Central tomorrow night. Some some things you maybe you're happy about in that Kent Denver game. Some things obviously that that need some work for your Red Hawks basketball team. Well, I mean, I thought we'd been great defensively up until that game, and, and they play a different type of style, kind of like Loyal Marymount. I mean, they he runs. Coach Shays runs 15 guys, and he subs five in, five out, and they just run and gun. I mean, they pressed the entire game. and I think they made 16 threes on us, so it's a different type of game. I mean, I've been doing this a long time, I think 19 years, and I've never given up 92 points as a head coach, but it's just that was just the style of the game. But obviously, we can't give up 92 points if we want to win. I mean, if we can hold teams under 45 in the Southwestern League, I think it'll give us a chance to win. I mean, obviously, if we're going to put up 87, which isn't our style, we're not – a great offensive team right now. We're more of a grind it out, play great defense, which leads to good offense type game. But yeah, we have to guard better. We can't give up 16 threes. I know Central shoots the ball extremely well from the threes, so we got to run them off the three point line and, and try to keep them out of the paint and play much better, and not give up 80 or 92 points. So, all right, it's our Highway 50 game of the week coming up tomorrow night. Montrose plays host to Central uh, once again. Larry Newland, Pat Hooley will have the call. On the Monkey, 95.7 here in the Valley and 93.5 in Montrose. And you can always go to uh, 957themonkey.com to get the, the schedule of the Highway 50 game of the week. But we'll have it tomorrow night, both the boys and girls from Montrose. Again, Central, uh, pregame at 545. The girls, the boys will follow right around 730 tomorrow night. Hey, Ryan, I appreciate the time. Happy New Year to you, sir. It's been uh, great talking to you. Hopefully get you back on again soon. Talk more Montrose Red Ox basketball. Good luck tomorrow night against Central. Appreciate it, Jim. Same to you. Happy New Year. Look forward and really appreciate the coverage down this way. It's great for the kids in the town of Montrose, so appreciate it. Glad to do it. We're thrilled to be expanding uh, our, our coverage area to the Montrose Delta area. Appreciate it, Ryan. Thank you. Thank you. All right, take care. Ryan Voringer, Montrose Red Ox basketball coach. All right, 7.53. We'll have uh, around the NFL coming up next hour. Uh, also, you'll hear from Russell Wilson, a fairly lengthy post-game interview with Dave Logan yesterday. Normally, Russ is a couple minutes, and he spent a little extra time with Dave Logan yesterday after the game, so we'll bring that to you next hour along with the number games. So, uh, got some thoughts about who the next Broncos coach should be. 
Do you think it'll be Sean Payton? No. I'm intrigued and they said that they, the Broncos and the Saints have pretty much agreed on what the trade, what that's going to look like. Because that was, that was one, there's two sticking points here. Number one, what did the Saints want? What do the Broncos have to offer considering cash? Well, picks, because when, when John Gruden was traded, it was a couple of first-rounders, a couple of second-rounders, and I forgot how many million dollars. And so that was a long time ago now when right. the Raiders and Bucks made that deal. What would this deal look like? And number one, you have to, with, with the Broncos trading what they did to get Russ, draft capital's a little thin. Pretty sparse. So what does that look like in terms of what the Broncos are sending to the Saints? Apparently they've agreed on it, according to the report that I read. And also, does Sean Payton want to come to Denver? Is this the place he wants to be? Because there's always been the thing. He wants to be coaching a warm-weather city. SoCal. That would not be Denver. No. But obviously he's interested enough to talk to them because he's going to interview with them so we'll see what happens dexter call us today chick-fil-a breakfast team phone line we'd love to hear from you jim and cake today buckeye boy has a day off today hour two coming up next on the team